All right, Irish fans, let's get it. Christmas Eve edition, Locked On Irish podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network right now. I'm your lead host, Greg Schaefer. Pumped to be with you guys today, as you can tell. Last show, probably till Friday. I know I said, uh, yeah, I was going to try to do four this week. We, ch- things have changed. Might be talked to my boss, that being my other half, my wife and family. And we got a lot of stuff going on. So we are going to take advantage of uh, a shortened week. So this will be our last one until Friday. We'll do our Alabama a basketball preview. And, of course, put a bow, no pun intended, put a bow on the Camping World Bowl uh, preview stuff with Mark Hissom your favorite co-host and mine. He's down there in Orlando, in the elements, in the atmosphere, just digging in for us down there, getting us ready for Notre Dame and Iowa State on Saturday. So he will be at the game. So hopefully get us some great content out there on the Twitter page, on the Facebook page. Stay tuned there. You know where to follow us, at Locked On Irish on Facebook, at Locked On Irish on Twitter. Google Play. That's one I always forget. Google Play. We are on Google Play. iTunes. Spotify, whatever you're listening to. I say it every time, but whatever you are listening to, we're the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network, here to stay. Again, super stoked to be with you guys. Christmas is here. Hope you got all that shopping done. You know, I I had a discussion at my real job the other day, and I was like, you know, I think these Amazon people like live in the ground in my backyard. Ordered something on a Saturday night, and it was there Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm I'm a little concerned. I don't know. I don't know what their operation is. I know one thing. I've met a few people that work for FedEx, and they just look spent right now. I mean, I have ran into some FedEx, some USPS guys, and they look like they're just they're done. They're looking like they could work anywhere else. They would in literally anywhere else they would. So I got to thinking about what we're gonna do for the show today, and I know I mentioned a few things, and I'm all over the place sometimes. So you guys got to keep me in check. That's the good old ADHD. Truly diagnosed, by the way, so hats off to all my ADHD friends out there. But, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, there's been a lot made of this Iowa State passing game and this passing attack and how it may be one of the best passing attacks over, overall that we've seen all season. And I th- really think we're overlooking the running game. And that's not to say they have a great running game by any stretch of the imagination, but today I thought I'd just do a breakdown of this rushing attack and get you guys ready to for what to expect on Saturday, especially since we're going to be a little scattered out now that we're only going to do one more show this week. It won't be the uh, biggest, brightest, most glamorous preview you've ever seen. It'll be better than that uh, and because I want to split some time. You know, I'm, I'm your hardwoods guy. I'm, I'm about the hoops. College hoops is one of my things. I would not let a week go without a game day or a Notre Dame game preview uh, for hoops. So definitely don't want to do that. So uh, we're going to get both of those things in on Friday. Again, capping off Iowa State preview as well as, I know it's just Alabama A&M, but I take a lot of pride. I take a ton of pride in, in my college basketball coverage. So, um, And I'm the college basketball guy of this group. If you haven't listened before, the, the other two, they, they are. They like college basketball, but not. I'm like, there may be a tenth of what I like college basketball. So, all right, guys, let's get after it. So, Brees Hall, starting running back, Iowa State, uh, is solid back. He's having a good freshman year. He's he's a freshman, three-star recruit coming in, uh, just a nice player. They they like to try to get him involved even out of the backfield. So far this year, he has 19 catches for 207, does have a touchdown. Took him a little while to get going. Uh, took him a, a little while to kind of – really find a position or not necessarily find his position, but just really took, 
a while to get him implemented in the offense correctly. If you go look at his stat line, he only had one rushing attempt against Iowa, went for no yards. He had 11 for 47 against Northern Iowa, uh, only five for 35 against Louisiana Mon- Monroe. TCU, one carry for two yards. It really wasn't until the second week in October against West Virginia. He went off for 132 yards and three touchdowns. And it was really like the coming out party for Brees Hall. And it kind of looked like this guy was going to be you know, the natural next progression to from David Montgomery. If you'll remember, Montgomery had a really nice career with Iowa State, now starting running back for the uh, Chicago Bears. You know, David, he went for 12-16 last year, averaged 4.7 yards a carry, 13 touchdowns. And I'm a Bears fan. I don't. If you've listened to the show before, you know I'm a Bears fan. You know, Montgomery doesn't have great speed by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, has good vision, has good burst through the hole. And, you know, Brees Hall is, is a little bit different of a back. He's 6'1", he's 205. I honestly feel like he's a little quicker than Montgomery. Montgomery is a little more of a banger in there. Uh, you know, ran for almost 3,000 yards um, throughout his career at Iowa State. Uh, only ran for 563 his first year. So if you look at a guy like Brees Hall, who's already at 842 his freshman year, he could really surpass a lot of the things that David Montgomery did. You know, Montgomery's got nine, or uh, Brees Hall's got nine touchdowns. Montgomery, he fin- finished his freshman year with only two touchdowns. Let's take a quick uh, peek back at that team. Uh, you know, he wasn't even the leading rusher on that team. Mike Warren was. They they really struggled to find an identity running the ball. Joel Lanning, uh, their quarterback at the time, was also one of their leading rushers, 518 yards. You know, it, it, I really feel like that the Matt Campbell offense is based around the quarterback who can get yards, but can't. It isn't necessarily like a based around a running quarterback because Lanning wasn't necessarily the most athletic of quarterbacks, but he had second on the team of 518 yards. You know, he was definitely he backed up Jacob Park. Um, you know, the offense just really is based around a quarterback who can move, who is mobile. Because if you look at that this team this year, I mean, they have really nothing outside of Brees Hall. You have Purdy has ran for 265. Johnny Lang is the next closest back with 238. I mean, everything goes through Brees Hall. 169 carries on the year. I mean, the other running backs, all their uh, co- carries combined don't even equal 169 carries. So they have a really nice offensive line. Obviously helps Brees Hall really, really kind of get going. Um, and look no further. I mean, just start right off the top. Julian Good Jones, uh, 6'5", 308 pounds. He's going to be starting his 50th game at left tackle on the offensive line. You know, really helped um, helped Montgomery get a lot of yards in Montgomery's last season last last year. Uh, you know, 50 starts. That is incredible. That that's just an incredible impact you can have on a team as a leader. At performance on and off the field. I mean, just a ton, a ton of talent there as far as just a guy who works hard, stays on the field, and just the durability of somebody like that to have 50 starts. Now, the right side of the offensive line is actually a little more experienced overall. Uh, you have Bryce Meeker. He's on his 33rd start, 6'6", 305 senior. You got Josh Neipel, uh 38th start, 6'7", 305 I mean, it was six six. His rivals report had him at six seven. This dude's probably more like six six or six five. You know how these reports are. Now on the inside, it does look a little less experienced. Colin Newell is very likely, probably gonna play, but he's probably not gonna start. 
Uh, Colin Olson, the left guard, is going to shift down into centers, which has kind of been done. He's got 23 starts in his career. Uh, Newell's had an injury, and it looks like uh, Downing will go ahead and start for him. In fact, as of the last depth chart that I have, it does, in fact, look like freshman Trevor Downing is going to um, start at left guard at 6'4", six, 300 pounds. Uh, Newell's listed in the two deep at center behind Olsen. Uh, you know, they don't give up many sacks. I mean, a credit to this offensive line for just being, you know, good overall. You know, I have right in front of me here, career games started with this team. It has kind of a, a list. And, of course, it has uh, Good Jones at the top at 49, Nifel at uh, 38. And then you got Meeker down with 33. I mean, your most experienced guys are on this offensive line, and I think it really speaks to how well they can protect. 1.1 uh, sacks per game is all this team's given up. Now, Notre Dame doesn't give up many sacks either, but we've also taken 30 sacks. And I heard uh, uh, Jason Campbell talking the other day, or actually uh, yesterday, when they arrived in Orlando, he said, you know, 30 sacks sounds like a lot, and on tape it looks like a lot. Well, that is a lot, that's, that's a lot of sacks. So we're really going to be able to see. Uh, we got to be able to get to the quarterback. We got to make Purdy make bad decisions, or at least you know shake him a little bit. Get some quarterback hits. Get some just get some pressure on him. Make him move around the pocket. You know, make him show why he's running for you know second most amount of rushing yards on the team. But we're also going to have to not get hurt by this because if we drop our guys and we're playing great coverage, great coverage doesn't always equal a great play. It doesn't. You can have great coverage all the way down the field, and if everybody's dropped and you just gave up eight yards on a third and four, well, that's kind of a problem. Or you give up nine yards on third and eight, well, they just move the sticks, they still have the ball, and that's momentum. That is momentum. You know, we've already talked about how he likes to distribute the ball around to his guys, but they really do like to use the run to set up the pass. I mean, it goes without saying. you got a team who's, you know, they, they're not rushed for that many yards this season. Not that many yards at all when you compare how many yards they've passed for. Just look no further than 318 yards per game passing versus 140 yards a game rushing. Kind of enough said. Iowa State's one of those programs, though, that you kind of wonder, do you think to yourself, is it better than some non-Power 5 jobs? What's up, guys? Locked on Irish Podcast. Back at it again. So I asked the question... Is Iowa State better than some non-Power 5 jobs? And where that comes from is I was listening to Greg McElroy on the first team yesterday morning, and it really got me to wondering, you know, some of these jobs, this was their topic, was, you know, just are you just going to jump ship as a head coach just for any Power 5 job? It's kind of an interesting topic. I mean, you know, let's say you're... I think one of the most common ones that really come up in my mind is Memphis. You know, Memphis has been rolling here lately. Memphis has had, now they're in a um, New Year's Six Bowl. They're getting ready to play Penn State. They've had some success. You know, Justin Fuente took off for uh, Virginia Tech. And at the time, I think it was a better job. I still pretty much think it is. You also have uh, Norvell, who just took off for Florida State. Uh, obviously, a bet that is definitely a better job, better recruiting, things like that. But you know, when you're like a Dino Babers who left Bowling Green to go to Syracuse, now I know that like Bowling Green's a little bit different because you can have one or two great years and you kind of want to jump ship. But to jump ship, I think 
the situation's got to be right. You have to evaluate the roster. And how much have you really set up your own roster for the future? Obviously, you would leave for Notre Dame. You would leave for Ohio State. You would leave for Florida State we just talked about. Would you leave for Clemson? I think so. Uh, Obviously, the way Clemson's set up now, there was a time where Clemson was just... Remember there was a term called Clemsoning at one point in time? You'd leave for Bama, things like that. But there's some impossible situations out there. There really is. And with the quick trigger on coaches, coaches aren't getting 30 years to turn it around. Kansas comes to mind. Uh, Kansas State really has been an outlier in this because there is nothing in Manhattan, Kansas. There's less than nothing. Um, you look at a job like North Carolina, it can be good, but are you going to compete for national titles? Like, how long is your leash? You kind of got to evaluate your roster. You know, like, I'm looking at App State. Then they just, you know, they just won 13 games. But they just lost their coach as well to um, Missouri, I believe it was. Yes, Missouri. uh, Eliah Drinkwitz just took off from Missouri. I mean, you have a chance to... Appalachian State has developed themselves into something really nice. Really nice. After one season, you hopped to Missouri. And, you know, it's SEC job. I'm sure there's more money. Until these non-Power 5 schools can chuck the money and keep these coaches, I kind of I kind of get it. However, how long is your leash? How much do you, do you really think you're going to turn Missouri around into a contender? SEC East, I guess, would be appealing to that. You know, you're not playing... You're not playing the SEC West schedule where you're playing Auburn, Alabama, LSU every single year, throw in Texas A&M. I just don't know if these are better jobs, especially if your leash is short. Again, I go back to how are you set up. If your team's set up and established, if I, I feel like Appalachian State is probably going to go ahead and win the Sun Belt again next year. And then you jump to this Missouri job. What's the leash like? Do you have a 10-year guaranteed contract? Okay, great. I get my money. You can't get rid of me after two years. If you do, well, I'm getting paid. I, I mean, I just struggle to see some of these programs really turn it around in the landscape. It, it's just going to take too long to turn around. You could be the right guy. You could 100% be the right guy. And they're not going to give you time. Time is not on any of these coaches' side right now. None of these coaches have one of the things we can't buy more of or get back is time. Because as soon as... Uh, Drinkwitz, as soon as he got this job, he's on the clock. How are you recruiting? How are you developing? People are going to have a watchful eye on you and how this, the energy around the team. What's your student alumni engagement? Can you create some buzz, sell tickets? I mean, I don't, it's going to be tough for, I, I'll, this is going to be an interesting case study right here. It's funny. I literally just found this, this on the fly. I, I guess I knew it, but this is probably the best example I can give you know, you, and you look at another one like uh, a Wake Forest. You look at Duke. You know, Cutcliffe's perfect for that job because he went there. I don't think he expects to spend, you know, I, I think he just enjoys it there. I, I think whatever he gets out of that job is great. There's there's low expectation, get to bowl games, and that's good. But that's very unique for a Power 5 school. You know, another one would be like Indiana. Again, how long is the leash going to be? Because inevitably, you're not winning a national title. You're not winning a national title at Indiana. Now, granted, you could they're going to build a statue after you if you do. So are you using that for the next step up? You go eight and four a couple seasons at Kansas, and then you're trying to get the next step up? I mean, I don't know. From a longevity standpoint, 
I know these coaches have egos. And if they have egos about their personnel decisions, then they obviously have egos about themselves. But I just find it interesting, would you leave a good situation where you have recruits coming in, you can win your conference, you can establish something really, uh, just a really great foundation in a non-Power 5 school to jump to a school like, I hate to say it because I'm actually a supporter of this school, but like an Oregon State. I mean, Corvallis, it's not much going on in Corvallis. They're Oregon's little brother. Are you going to win the Pac-12? Are you going to win the Pac-12 in Corvallis? Can you say that? Talking about a school here who's only won five conference titles ever. Only won five conference titles ever. Are you going to be the sixth? It's going to take a lot of confidence, and it's going to take a lot of work and it's just interesting that you don't ever see these guys ever stick around somewhere. And again, you're moving your way up in your career field. I get that. I do get that. And I do get that these non-Power 5 schools aren't paying as well. Hey, money talks. We've all been there. We all get it. But I guess thinking ahead, if these schools are not going to let you just, hey, work it out for the next four to five years, that's not happening. That Those days do not exist. The Joe Paterno, the Bobby Bowden, the Frank Beamer days, they're gone. It's not happening anymore. In fact, Coach Kelly is kind of an outlier here. Kind of an outlier in the sense that he is he had a horrible 2016. Horrible by all standards. Four and eight with a relatively talented team. Lost to Duke and our former AD. Disgusting. And he still got a job and he was given the chance to turn it around. Not many times do these schools just say, hey, you know what? We're going to stick with what we got. What we got is the best coach available. And it's, you know, you kind of got to give credit to Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame for just sticking the course because I know he's not winning the big game. However, we've won 10 games the last three seasons and that's nothing to sniff at. It's quite a turnaround. And if that's the best we can, the best coach that's available, Sometimes it's the one you got. I've heard before, hey, make sure the car you're driving isn't the best used car on the road. So uh, let's get after some bowl picks, and let's talk some NFL Pro Bowl right after this. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish podcast. So the Pro Bowl, we don't talk much NFL on this show. We're going to get to probably in the next few weeks. In fact, I'm going to try to see if I can work in a Super Bowl show with one of my favorite people in all sports media. Just got to talk to the network, make sure, because it's probably not going to be Notre Dame related, obviously, unless, you know, there's some Notre Dame guys going to the Super Bowl, which, i.e., this one, this individual might be, Ronnie Stanley, named to his first career Pro Bowl, recently named the best pass-blocking tackle in uh, the NFL by Pro Football Focus. That's according to uh, the Irish Maven, our guy Brian Driscoll. Uh, Ronnie's had just a really nice career, really nice career, really nice to see what he's done with the Ravens, basically starting right away. And, you know, I know Lamar is doing Lamar things out there and what he has done is amazing. However, you know, you need, there's been a lot of quarterbacks try to do what Lamar is doing. And I know he, he, he's a generational talent at what he's doing. However, I'm interested to see how this all finishes because you gotta, you gotta throw a title on it because it doesn't. I think all this goes for naught, and none of this even none of this he does necessarily matters. I don't want to say it doesn't matter at all, but if he can't lay a title on it, then it's always just going to be a really athletic quarterback 
made some really nice plays, you know, but never could win the big one. Never could win the big one. And then you're still having that argument of, you know, that sort style of quarterback doesn't work. But, you know, to have a nice strong offensive line, to have the best block pass blocking tackle in the NFL, let's just, even if that's up for debate, pro football focus says it's true, let's just say that's gospel. That That's a big, big benefit. You're as athletic as you are as Lamar Jackson, and you have the best pass blocking tackle in the NFL. Pretty good. Not bad at all. Uh, next up, Quentin Nelson. Uh, just two seasons in the NFL. I mean, Nelson is a monster. An absolute monster. And you can see why our running game was so good when he was there. Uh, just absolutely, probably one of the best guards in the league in his second year. And just blowing dudes up. Now, I know he missed last game. He had a concussion. Hopefully that all pans out. Get healthy, young man. Uh, you have a long, long career ahead of you before you head to Canton. You, he is a, just a stud. I mean, I could not imagine. I played safety and was really coming into my own when I went into college. Uh, I, I didn't know if I was going to play running back or safety. And uh, unfortunately, my college career didn't pan out the way we thought it would. And I didn't really get the choice. But um, I just couldn't imagine being a safety and taking on that for whatever reason. I mean, there would be some, what did Dion say, business decisions when uh, making a tackle or making contact. Yeah, I'd be making some serious business decisions taking on Quentin Nelson. Business decisions is, i.e., I'd getting out of the way. Uh, Harrison Smith named his fifth straight Pro Bowl. And, man, what Harrison Smith has done in his career has just been incredible. The guy's been a winner all of his life. I mean, he's probably that guy that, like, whatever sport he played when gym class rolled around, he's just the best at it automatically. Everybody wants him on their team. He's probably picking the teams, actually. And, uh, I mean, I think he was, like, I read somewhere the top, was he, like, the 25th best player coming out as a recruit and then started, basically started all four years, essentially. I think he played nine games his freshman year. His junior year, he had seven interceptions, including three against uh, Miami in the Sun Bowl. Just was a tyrant against them. Um, you know, 80 tackles this year, 11 pass breakups, three interceptions, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. I mean, his 11 pass breakups are second most of his career. I mean, this guy, he's still playing at a high level. Nine years into his career at you know, a really physical position. It's not like he's back there just kind of, again, making business decisions. No, he is playing tough back there. And then, of course, Zach Martin, sixth consecutive Pro Bowl. Sixth, put that in perspective, sixth consecutive Pro Bowl. Just a mainstay on that line for the Cowboys. And I know the Cowboys are doing whatever it is they're doing. Uh, I just wish Jerry Jones would coach that team and prove that he can't do it so that he just shuts up, basically. Uh, because that is one of the biggest things that's wrong with that team is Jerry Jones is just a mess. But Zach Martin is not a mess. Zach Martin is one hell of a player and just such a joy to watch. And unfortunately, my wife decided she's a Cowboy fan because Zach Martin and her guy Jalen Smith are on the team. So, I mean, there could be worse reasons to like a team, but the Cowboys, come on. I mean, I love her and everything, but the Cowboys... Uh, all right. I know we have cowboy fans out there. I don't want to make you guys mad. I don't, I don't hate the, I don't hate the Cowboys actually. I just not I'm just not a fan. I, I actually have a really good friend. He's from Dallas. Uh he he loves them. That's it's his team. He loves all things Dallas. I'm just 
I don't hate them. I, I truly don't. I'm not a cowboy hater. In fact, I was cheering against them or cheering for them over the weekend against the Eagles. Um, and you know, part part of that is because they do have some Notre Dame guys. So let's get some bowl picks here. You know, I love my bowl mania. So let's recap what we see yesterday. UCF probably claiming a third national title as they dominated Marshall 48 to 25. Game really wasn't even super close tonight. I'm going to pick the Thursday games. In fact, I'm going to pick the Thursday. Do I want to pick the Friday games too? Let's Yeah, let's do that. No, let's pick Thursday. We'll pick Thursday. I'm going to come back to Hawaii because, as you guys know, I wear a Hawaii jersey out for my bad bowl game day, first Saturday of bowl games. Uh, I love my Rainbow Warriors. But uh, let's pick the Thursday games. We'll give you Friday picks. Uh, when we do the show Friday with Hissom, we can kind of go back and forth on some picks there. So Thursday, I got Miami over Louisiana Tech, and I got Pitt over Eastern Michigan. I don't really think they're that close. However, we know Miami has been kind of hitting a little bit of a schneid down the stretch. They lost to Florida International, lost to Duke by 10. Um, you know, they were playing pretty well at one point in time. I don't know what the hell happened. You know, they beat Virginia. Uh, they they lost to Georgia Tech, which Georgia Tech is awful. They beat Pitt, beat Florida State, and kind of blew the doors off uh, Louisville. And then for whatever reason, something happened, and they are just a mess again. Now, Louisiana Tech on the other side of the ball, that's Skip Holtz's team for those of you keeping score at home. Nine and three, uh, lost to Texas right off the rip, and then reeled off eight straight wins. And then kind of finished a little slow, losing to Marshall, lost to UAB before uh, beating uh, UT San Antonio, the Roadrunners, 41-27. to So I will go ahead and take Miami in this one, probably just the better athletes. They've seen the better teams all season. But again, it's going to come down to motivation. And what is typically a pretty classic bowl, the Independence Bowl, but uh, those matchups here lately, now that they let like basically everybody and their brother into a turn into the bowl games, it's... Eh, some of the old, even classic bowls don't have the best matchups. And I think Pitt, Eastern Michigan is going to kind of be a blowout. So real quick, let's get to our guys from the islands. Ah, Hawaii, BYU, you know I'm cheering for the Rainbow Warriors. Cole McDonald going to chuck it all around the yard. Miles Reed's going to reel off some big big runs. I like Hawaii big in this one. Um I think it could be a shootout, though, because Hawaii sometimes chooses not to play defense. But I, I like Hawaii by double digits here. Not a complete blowout, but I like them big. I mean, double digits. Um, they BYU just has a lot of trouble scoring. They got beat by San Diego State 13-3. to uh, They did put up 56 on UMass, 42 on Idaho State. But come on, let's be real. What, what are those teams? Now, Hawaii's a defense does give up about 500 yards a game. So if they're coming in playing their Hawaii defense, again, look for some fireworks. It's obviously going to be great weather. Should be a fun game. Uh, That is a little later tonight at 8 o'clock. So when you're hanging out with family, doing that Christmas Eve thing, is there nothing more that speaks to Christmas Eve? And I'm so glad they put it back on Christmas Eve than the Hawaii Bowl. I mean, even when we played in it, it was a bad year, 6-6, and Notre Dame against Hawaii. But come on. (sighs) There's nothing more that just says, hey, it's Christmas Eve for college football fans than the Hawaii Bowl. I mean, come on, guys. So that's it for the show today. Make sure you're out there following us. iTunes, SoundCloud, 
Spotify, Stitcher. That's where you can listen to the show. Basically, any podcast app out there. Follow us at Locked On Irish, Twitter, Facebook. Sorry, the guy, show was a little choppy today, guys. I kind of pieced it together last minute as far as what I really wanted to talk about. But on Friday, that is the next show. That is Friday. Friday. Day before the 28th or day before Saturday. Camping World Bowl. Finish up the preview talking about Notre Dame and Iowa State. And we are also going to preview that Alabama A&M matchup with Notre Dame on Sunday. So, till next time, guys, go Irish.